Thank you for joining us today. This is part one of Ephesians chapter 5. We'll be studying Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 6. We'll be discussing what it means to live our lives as imitators and children of God. So if you'll open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 5, we'll begin our lesson. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. We thank you for this space and for this group of men that we can gather together in fellowship. Really, we thank you for your word, the guide that you've given us that we can turn to, to see how you designed us to live our lives. And as we continue our study in Ephesians, Father, there's just so much here that we can apply to our lives. And I ask that you just open our hearts and open our minds to your word this morning and guide our discussions in a way that can help each one of us grow in our relationship with you and better reflect you to those uh, that we encounter. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so we're in Ephesians, and uh, we've been making our way through there for the last, I think we may have even started before Thanksgiving. And so just a real quick refresher, Paul wrote this letter. You remember Paul was Jewish-born, a Roman citizen, and was essentially persecuting and terrorizing Christians until Jesus dramatically converted him. Then he ended up writing almost half of the New Testament. So he's writing this letter, and the first three chapters that we went through really describe, he's trying to explain who we are in Jesus and who we are as, as the body of Christ, as the church. We saw here in, in Ephesians 1, chapter 1, we started out and we saw, for instance, in, in verse 5, that we were adopted as sons. And in verse 11, we have an inheritance. And in verse 14, that uh, the Holy Spirit was given to us as a pledge of our inheritance, a down payment, as we discussed. And then we saw over in chapter 2, verse 1, how we were before we became believers, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And, and we talked about how dead, that, that doesn't just mean sick, that means dead. That means totally separated from God. And yet, in verse 8, we saw that it was by grace that we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves, but the gift of God and not a result of our works, uh, so that no one should boast. And so we have nothing to contribute to this saving faith that God has given us other than our need to have this, to have his grace and in, in this saving gift. And we, we continued on and into chapter 3 and saw that down in verse 17 that Christ indwells in our hearts through our faith and then last the last couple of weeks that we met we saw in chapter 4 particularly down in chapter 4 verse 14 we're no longer to be children verse 15 we're to grow up we've got to grow up and we've got to live our lives in the way that God intended and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We saw in verse 30 of, of chapter 4 where it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. And we discussed how when we are in sin and we have unconfessed sin, we hinder the ability of the Holy Spirit to work in our life. And so we, we, we're now beginning to read in chapters uh, 4, 5, and 6 as we work towards the end of Ephesians, the application, uh, what our Christian conduct should be 
and what our response should be given our position now in Jesus Christ as believers. So uh, we'll begin uh, where we left off. Chapter 5, verse 1 is where we are in Ephesians. Uh, Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So several things. First of all, we see be imitators of God as beloved children. You know, sometimes we get kind of upset with our kids, but I bet you a lot of times they're just imitating what they see in us. Something to think about. Our children do imitate us, and so that's why Paul's saying here, you know, we should be imitators of God, who is our Father. And then you see that uh, we should walk in love, walk in love just as Christ loved us, and that's God's love. It's undeserved love. There's nothing we did, as we saw in, in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. There's nothing we did to earn it. It's undeserved, and there's an element of forgiveness in that. I think we should all probably reflect. I know I need to as well. You know, God's love is undeserved to me, and yet he's forgiven me of, of all my sins, and I've got lots of them. And that's what we're being called to do with others. How forgiving are we when people offend us? You know, we want to hold them to a different standard than we want God to hold us to. We want them to pay for their wrongs that they've done to us rather than this undeserved forgiveness of, of forgiving others. Verse 2 talks about how Christ gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God. So it's this unconditional love. It's, it's sacrificing for others. How different that is, uh, totally opposite from what we see in our, in, of love in our culture today. You know, what we see in our culture today is, yeah, I'll, I'll love you as long as it's, it's working out for me. You know, as long as your love is fulfilling my needs, and as, as soon as you're no longer meeting my needs, I'm going to be finished with you. You know, our culture, and we, we all fall back into this, so self-centered. It's all about self-indulgence. It's all about me, 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 me. Self-sacrifice doesn't even enter the picture. And yet that's exactly what Paul is calling us to do. Instead of using people, we're being called to actually serve people. And if you'll just hold your finger right here, you know, in, in chapter 5 and flip over to the left to John, let me show you something John, in John 13 sort of really demonstrates what this, this is all about. Go over to John 13, verse 34 through 36, and this is where Jesus is talking, and he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I've, I've talked about this before. If I were to go talk to the people you work with or your friends, say, hey, I'm just kind of taking a survey on, on Larry. Uh, tell me a little bit about him. What stands out? Would they say, well, I'll tell you one thing. First thing that comes to my mind is the way Larry loves people, that he's obviously a Christian. Unfortunately, I don't think that's what people would say if you went talk to people I work with and my friend. Maybe you, I, I hope you might get it somewhere. 
you know, I think we all have work to do. And Jesus is basically saying, here's a test. I want people to know that you're my followers. I want people to know you're, you're Christians. And they're going to know that by the love you show to others. The undeserved love, the, the forgiveness, the sacrifice, the unconditional love you show to others. We should stand out. We should look different to everyone compared to the culture. And so we're going we're gonna to dig into this a little bit further. He, he tells us what we really look like uh, essentially before we were saved and, and how we should not be looking now that uh, we're new people. We've got the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. Verse 3, he says, But do not let immorality or any impurity or any greed even be named among you as is proper among saints, meaning it's improper for saints, believers. Remember the when we see the word saints in the New Testament, it's talking about believers. So it's 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 not proper for believers to be acting with immorality or an impurity or, or greed. Uh, he goes on in verse four, and there must be no filthiness, and there should be no silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So we have quite a disparity of as he's contrasting this. Filthiness is obscene. We're around people all the time that are using really foul language and silly talk, stupid talk, coarse jesting. That, that can be moral filthy, filthiness. It's just these things aren't fitting of people who would have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. And what he's saying, we ought to be people who are thankful for what God has given us. Rather than being a selfish, unloving person, thinking that, gee, I've earned and I deserve everything I got, we're to be thankful to realize we don't deserve anything we have. And everything we have, everything that's been given to us, has been given to us by God. And so people should see us as people who have love towards God versus love of ourself and being self-centered. Verse 5, For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Sons of disobedience, remember we talked about that, several weeks ago. Those are followers of, of Satan. Again, let me show you some other verses and then I, I want to unpack this a little bit more. Keep your finger here in Ephesians and flip back to the left just a little ways over to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 is where I want to... Want or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. You know, I, I think all of us would fall when you when you look not only in the couple of verses that we were reading in Ephesians 5 and you look at this we all fall into this 
And so, he, by the way, he's not saying that we are to be sinless as believers because uh, we, we see also where it says anyone who says they don't sin, uh, they're making God a liar. So we do sin, but what he's talking about is when you have a lifestyle of this. You're unrepent, you, you, you don't repent from these things. You view this as um, just, hey, there's nothing wrong with living like this. And you don't even, when, when you do these sins, you know, as a believer, we should immediately recognize, wow, you know, there, I did it again and ask for forgiveness so that the Holy Spirit can then be able to work in our life again. And by the way, we can't avoid these things under our own power. You know, as soon as we start trying to say, I'm going to live like this, this is the way God wants me to live, and so I'm going to, I'm going to have the willpower, I'm going to get this done, You'll fall, Satan will not allow you to live that way for, at all. It's, it's really fascinating to me and we'll talk about this more when we get in over later. We're going to be talking about drinking. It's fascinating to me that our, our culture, the way we celebrate the end of the year, our culture, I'm not saying all of us, is the last day of the year, the last hours and minutes of the year, everybody, go. we want to go get as drunk as possible, okay? Just get lit up, totally drunk. That's how we want to end up the year. Uh, we're going to see what what uh, God thinks about that. And yet, what fascinates me every morning, when I wake up on the first day of the new year, mm-hmm. you know what the first thing I think of? I go, thank you, God. This is the one minute of this year that I've actually woken up and I haven't sinned yet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, unfortunately, I've already gone past that. <laughs> but there for a minute, I... For this year, I had just a split second. Can I ask you, um, you know, if someone were just looking at Ephesians 5 mm-hmm. and over in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, what we were referring back and forth to, because Ephesians 5 in my book references over there, so it's clearly, you, you read them together. Just reading these by themselves, when you read things like, no immoral, impure, greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, um, and you read that alone, and then you, and you flip over to 1 Corinthians 6, either sexually immoral, etc., or drunkards or slanderers will inherit the kingdom of God. And it goes, and that is what some of you were, yes. but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. So, I mean, I can see how someone reading these two together would think, yeah, you, you had these problems and then you were sanctified. And, and I, when, when you start off, you're talking about we need to model Jesus' behavior for our children, for other things. We need, that's, that's part of what being saved means. But if you read these together without more, and I know, I know there's a ton more, it would suggest that if you revert back to your ways after you were saved, that, you're, that you were no longer saved. That's, I can see how someone reading these two paragraphs together would claim that, that your salvation could be lost by continuing to engage in bad acts. Now, theoretically, if you're saved, you want to emulate Christ and you want to put that behind you and and lead a new life. But um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, there are are people who believe that you can lose your faith. Uh, And this is probably one of the passages. 
they, not your faith, but your you can lose your faith. People, there are people who believe that you can come to faith and then lose it. If you die at a point in time where you have now just forsaken God and forsaken the Holy Spirit, the, you can slip back. Is it the, is it the faith or the sanctification? I mean, is there, there, are, there are people. Those, those I'm not telling you what I believe. Yeah. I'm just pointing out that there are people that use verses like this to say, yes, can you can how. lose your faith. I, that's not what I believe. I mean, you have to read. Um, you have to read everything in totality. Yes, and and pick one passage by itself. Right. There's so you, many verses that say, "Father gave these people to me." This is Jesus talking, and not one of them will slip through my hands. And yeah, you know, I will be with you always. And there is a promise given to believers that they are promised salvation and eternal life to the end. Yeah, um, and this isn't about an identity issue here. So. In First Corinthians six, it says you are not you. You know the sexually immoral; those who identity is in. So if your identity is in your sex, whether it is homosexuality, whether it is uh, your promiscuity, whether it is whatever, if your identity is that, then you don't get it. But you're not that. It's verse eleven from First Corinthians six. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. So your identity now is in Jesus, and so that's sort of thinking. Is here in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, where you have, because your identity is in Christ, you don't accidentally your way through life. You know, you don't fall in love, you walk in love. I mean, our whole culture is just like, I couldn't help it, I fell in love. I just, like, this trap door opened and I just fell. There's nothing I could do. Uh, but rather, you walk in love, so since your identity is that, so therefore, don't do these things that are inconsistent with your identity. Yeah, I, and I understand. I yeah. think that's exactly how you have to read this in the context of reading the entire Bible. But I, and obviously, these books, these epistles, were written not in all one fell stretch. So the writers yeah. didn't have the ability of cross-referencing other things when they wrote. But um, well, I, well, I certainly does, agree. Yeah, Paul does cross-reference. He is, you know, he is kind of he's like we'll see here. He'll he'll quote from the Old Testament. But I think what you'll find is, is he's writing a lot of these at the same time, so we'll have to see a lot. He wrote Ephesians and Philippians and uh, Colossians all at the same time uh, from prison. And so you've kind of got that. That's why you see a lot of the same stuff. It's the same thoughts are on his head. He's in the same jail, jail cell. I'm going, hey, I'm write this to the Colossians. I'm write this to the Ephesians. Yes. What he's talking about is that this is a lifestyle. This is, a, this is, this is the way I live. In other words, understand. You know, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, this isn't something I'm not I, repentant. I think there's nothing wrong with it, and this is the way I'm going to live. No, I, I understand. I, and just to be clear, I understand that. So it's not something you have to convince me. Right. I'm right. just, um, I, I just, though, looking at this language in a vacuum, sure. someone could certainly extrapolate from this. And as you said, people do have this view that yes. you can lose your salvation once gained. Yes. Just, I'm just pointing that out. Yeah, I think, as you say, you've got to look at the Bible in its entirety. Yeah, I understand. And, and you can't, you know, a lot of people take little verses out of context. They don't even know the context in which it's written, and they make it into being something that it wasn't intended to be. Well, and even in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, he says you were dead, now you're alive, and so act alive. Act alive. So I love what you're saying. It's like yeah. you just look at chapter 5 and says, uh, no one, uh, you know, 
for you to be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous and the dollar has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. Well, you're like, well, I'm screwed. But then you go back to the earlier in the letter in chapter 2, he's like, you know, you were, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own, it's a gift of God. So and and I understand God. 1 Corinthians 6 yeah. says the same thing. Yeah. But, but then it goes on to, you could read it so that sure, and that I think, you're supposed to then emulate Christ. And if you don't, you're in trouble. You, yeah. It's sort of like, you could read it like, you screwed up and then Christ saved you and you're sanctified. But now you got to walk like him. And if you don't, right. Well, well and, and, but there are consequences, okay? Well, there's it's clear, it's clear that there's what, the consequences. What, what I think, I believe, most of us believe, it's not you're not going to lose your salvation, but there's consequences here, just as we saw, mm-hmm. don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When, when you have unconfessed sin or you're living in a way that is inconsistent with mm-hmm. what, um, what Paul's describing here, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're, you're preventing the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Yeah. No question there. Well, I love what you're saying, because if you do this, you know, I'm going to read the Bible today. Okay. Uh, and you go for, you know, no one who is sexually more impure as covetous has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. And you're like, well, that's my me of the day. I'm done. I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> well, but people, do, people do that all the time. Right. People Both. do that all the time. <laughs> right. And I mean, that's that's one of the great hurdles yeah. that we as Christians have to face is, is people will pick out things like that and and blast them. Yes. And without the, you you can't really understand Christ's message without reading everything in its entirety. This is the only book that we treat like that as a society. So I'm like, you don't randomly. I'm going to read a, a sentence from To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. Yeah. Like it just doesn't happen. Like everybody, everybody else recognizes. No, I got to read the book. That's right. Um, really good point. Yeah, like, why do we why do we do that with this book? Is, I don't understand. I, I think people do that because they're just stubborn humans and they just want to resist everything and they and they don't want to admit that they are subject subject to God and that God is right like, and I not. mean I can see like Psalms or, or Proverbs there's a like some of the Proverbs you can kind of read and absorb sort of like a you know you get a little Aesop's fable kind of quotes it's just a nice little quote yeah. but that's the only section of the Bible yeah. like that right. yeah. yeah good discussion thank you for joining us today I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to me at LarryO'Donnell.com. I hope you'll join us next time as we continue our study.